It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only here at KNews FM 98.5. If you just tuned in, I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances, and I've been honored to repeatedly serve as Superior Court Special Master. On this show, you will hear from office holders, lawyers, and activists. Last week, I spoke with lawyer Todd Porter, who told us about elder abuse remedies and civil remedies against drug dealers, and all about his work at the Cal Poly Mock Trial Program. After that, I had Sarah Twisselman, tell us about the Central Coast Veterans Museum and your chance to attend the Veterans Museum October 8th Stars and Stripes Dinner Fundraiser. You can get tickets for that at www.vetmuseum.org. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. That's K-N-E-W-S 985.com. Now, in our second hour, I am pleased to welcome Ben Heilig, and he's going to tell us why you should support the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association ballot initiative to restore property taxpayers' rights to pass on their lower tax assessments to their children and grandchildren after they die. The Taxpayers Association initiative will repeal part of Proposition 19 that was adopted in 2020 if you vote for it on November 5th, 2024. Ben, welcome to the show. Stu, thank you for having me. Now, you're you're calling in, and tell us uh, where you're located. So we're located in the Central Coast. We're in Carmel Valley uh, near Monterey. And uh, my business partner and I have a small firm here that we operate out of providing private loans to trust and estates throughout California. And so um, how did you get involved in the issues related to Prop 19 and the uh, proposition, I, I love the title, End the Death Tax Initiative? Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously directly related to our business. We provide funding to trust and estates to help facilitate the equalization and distribution um, of property and, and cash in some cases when one beneficiary wants to retain a property and there are multiple beneficiaries entitled to it uh, and there's not sufficient cash within a trust or estate to equally distribute those assets. And I think this so, is this is an important thing that a lot of people don't know. If you have uh, three sisters who inherit a house from their parents, uh, if if they uh, buy each other out after they inherit it, that 
by itself is going to cause a reassessment for property taxes, isn't it? Correct. Correct. That's considered a sibling-to-sibling transfer um, where the only protection is either parent-child transfer or grandparent-grandchild transfers. And, And so that all has to be done in the trust before there's a dispersal, and so that... That's the kind of uh, situation where you can, your firm can loan money that can allow the trustee to uh, disperse money to the kids that don't want the property, but also disperse the, uh, the property to the child that does want the property. Is that, that the way that's, it works? That's correct. That's correct. So we, we lend directly to the trust itself as an entity, which is in alignment with the Board of Equalization's rules. So with us lending to the trust, not to any one beneficiary themselves, the trust then has the liquidity needed. And to use your example, um, for simple math, if it were a property worth $300,000 and there were three sisters, the trust itself would need to borrow $200,000 if two of the sisters wanted their share in cash. So they would each get $100,000, and the sister that wants to retain the property takes her share of the inheritance in the form of equity. So that property, she's got $100,000 in equity with a $200,000 lien against it. So as far as the Board of Equalization is concerned, each of the siblings received their $100,000 share of that property. And the uh, sister who received the property subject to the loan uh, is not subject to having the property reassessed. Is that right? That's correct. So she'd be able to retain the full value, um, you know, base year value for what the property taxes were prior to the inheritance. Well, folks, this is Stu Jenkins at KNews FM 98.5. If you just tuned in, we're talking with Ben Heilig about the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association ballot initiative that's going to be on the 2024 November ballot. And um, Ben, if if um, people needed to get a hold of your firm so that they could make arrangements, uh, if they happen to be a trustee um, or they wanted to explore these kinds of issues with your firm beforehand regarding their property, how would they contact you? Uh, the easiest way is, is through our website. We've got a great deal of information available on our website. We have a contact form where you can submit an inquiry directly to us. Obviously, our phone number is listed there. Our address is there. Um, the 800 number rings directly to my cell phone. I'm available day, night, weekends, um, and happy to take anyone's calls if they have questions about how the process works, uh-huh. what steps are involved. And, and what's the name of your firm? Firm is HCS Equity, Henry Charles Sam Equity, and our website is hcsequity.com. Okay. There you go. Well, now, the uh, I think what would be good would be if you could explain to people uh, what the changes that happened after 2021 were because of the adoption in the state constitution of Prop 19. Sure. Uh, If we could, I'd like to give sort of a a very brief explanation of 
what the the rules were prior to that going in effect under Prop 58, and then the changes. So basically, under Prop 58, you had the ability to inherit your parent primary residence with no limitation on value. Um, so if all the steps were taken, you could uh, receive that property and preserve the entire property tax base if you followed the correct steps. And that would be and true even if it was a uh, $20 million uh, house, right? Correct. Correct. And that's a great point to make, Stu. Um, and then you had up to a million dollars of assessed value for combined additional properties, whether they were rentals, vacation homes, commercial properties. And the important note here is not present value, but assessed value. So if you had four rental homes that have been in the family for 30, 40, 50 years, and they had assessed values of $150,000 a piece, all of those would be excluded from reassessment as well if the appropriate steps were taken. So an enormous benefit for the transfer of wealth from generation to generation. And that would have uh, that would have been true even if those four rental properties were now uh, appraisable at uh, five million dollars. Correct. Okay. Correct. So what the big change was with Prop 19 is it did away with any exclusion from reassessment for ancillary prop properties, commercial, residential, rental. It didn't matter. Um, so no longer do we have that benefit. Um, which obviously for a lot of folks has a, an enormous impact. And more importantly, on primary residents, it put a cap on the present value that could be excluded from reassessment. Initially, it was a million dollars. I believe this year it bumped up just a touch to account for inflation. So it was another, I don't know, 20, 30 grand, something like that on top of that. That was the one, one good thing in Prop 19 was it included a COLA. Uh, cost of living increase, uh, uh, but but that was probably the only good thing. <laughs> yeah, and and with California real estate, you know, there's a large majority of properties, especially in the last few years, that have increased in value. Where um, you know a, a fairly ordinary home in a desirable area value greater than a million dollars, so you know you're only getting a a portion of, of that value now attributed to the exclusion from reassessment. So it's had a pretty significant impact in that way as well. Well, and the, the other thing uh, about Prop 19 was uh, it had this bizarre formula so that if the primary residence was worth more than, a, was appraised and shown to be worth more than a million dollars over what the appraised value had been, uh, then there was this uh, calculation that you work backwards and it results in a slightly uh, discounted property tax assessment, but it's still, um, well, it's it's, uh, one of those ones where if you figure it out, um, the formula can work backwards and lead to uh, fairly bizarre results. So that's that's something that I advise my estate planning clients about all the time uh, and ways that uh, we can 
we can try to work through those exceptions, but it would be far easier if that part of Prop 19 was repealed for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now, Prop 19, I think, uh, was actually put on the ballot by the uh, California Real Estate Association, Ben, if I remember right, and they they wanted to make sure that uh, people had, when they inherited a property from their parents, that they had this incentive to sell it by removing the tax benefits. Um, But the way they suckered people into voting for it was the the first two-thirds of the initiative talked about ways that uh, if you lived in a county like Monterey or San Luis Obispo, you could move to any other county in the state and transfer your assessed value to another home uh, if you were 55 or over. Isn't that, isn't that what got people uh, motivated and they, they didn't read all the way down? Yeah, I think the the objective there, if I remember the numbers correctly, there was a dozen or so counties that allowed for the the, ability, the portability of your property tax base. Right. And what if you were over fifty five years old? And this broadened it to all fifty eight counties uh, throughout the state, which is a huge benefit. And um, to your point, I think folks who were reading the initiative read to that point sounds great and voted on it based on that. And they, they sprinkled in a little uh, surprise and delight in the title of it is that it was relief for fire victims, disabled folks, um, a couple different categories that there would be benefits as a result of um, you know this initiative. So, and then they slipped in the changes to the parent-child exclusion somewhere down towards the bottom of the initiative. And, right. Uh, you know, that's where it was a bit of a, a Trojan horse, if you will. Um, and it's, it seemed to have backfired a little bit with the realtor community, at least anecdotally from what I understand. There's somewhere in the neighborhood of 400,000 licensed realtors in the state of California, and a great majority of them own multiple properties. <laughs> and I don't think they realized what they had done to themselves with supporting this initiative. So... You know, now there's, you know, a lot more support in the initiatives being made to repeal this portion of Prop 19, um, even within the realtor community. So it's it's kind of come full circle in the last couple of years. And all the realtors I talk to are very upset with the statewide association uh, about having uh, pushed Prop 19 onto the ballot originally. Um, well, there, there's some other aspects to Prop 19 that um, are addressed by the End the Death Tax on Family Property Initiative. Um, Prop 19 also had an exemption for property that was farmed. Now, uh, the, the interesting thing to me was that vacant land was uh, something that would be reassessed automatically, uh, but farmland would not. And of course, there's you know a lot of people who buy land and occasionally graze it. But but some of the can you explain to our listeners some of the conditions if you wanted to pass farmland on to um, your children without having it reassessed? 
That one falls a little bit outside of my purview. We don't deal with with raw ag land as, okay. as much as we do with real property. Um, so I'd hate to misinform the listeners with, you know, my my limited knowledge of the impacts from a, a land perspective. Well, that, that's good, Ben. And uh, I, I can say a few words about it because uh, sure. I have studied this and the the... the Land has to have been farmed the day your parent died in order to fall under this exception. Uh, but it can be left to children, provided they certify periodically that they are continuing to farm it. And if they fail to certify that they're farming it, let's say somebody got sick and they they didn't meet the time de- deadlines to certify it two or three or 10 years after their parent had died, the assessor is going to come out and reassess under Prop 19. So it sets up some very significant traps. And if they, if they ever stop farming it, it has to be reassessed. And, and a similar thing, I think, Ben, applies to um, homes, a primary home that's left to a child. Uh, don't they have some obligations under... Prop 19 to uh, move into the home within a short period of time in order to gain the uh, tax assessment advantage. That that's right. That it, it jogged my memory to bring that point up as you started talking about the uh, circumstances with farming. So one of the biggest changes, along with the cap on value that can be excluded under Prop 19, is the requirement that. It has to go, it has to have been your parent's primary residence, and you have to move into the property and establish it as your primary residence. Um, So within the first year, you have to submit your homeowner's exemption form um, as the first step. Um, And then I believe the... uh, the equalization and distribution of the trust, title transfer, et cetera, everything else from the parent-child exclusion has to be submitted within three years. So they put the much uh, much stricter guidelines on timing around when that needs to take place and, and who needs to occupy the space in order for uh, the exclusion to apply. And this is one thing that I've... Um because it has to be the primary residence of the parent when they pass, um, I suppose the good side of Prop 19 is that it gives children a significant incentive to make sure that their parent gets in-home care um, from from nurses and doctors and uh, other home care providers uh, so that parents can actually stay in their home all the way through their life. But um, if, what do you think happens, Ben, if uh, the kids get together and they put mom in um, a convalescent home uh, for a couple of years before they pass? Uh, Does that have an effect on whether they can pass the property to one of the children and take advantage of the lower uh, stable property tax assessment? Well, I would say we've seen similar instances to the scenario that you've posed. Um, 
a lot of times what happens with in a case like that, that individual that's gone into a care facility hasn't changed their, you know, where they're taking their homeowner's exemption. So it's my understanding, and again, I'm not an attorney, um, but my understanding is that if they haven't rented the property out or, you know, they're not using it for some other purpose, um, that they should still be able to have their children, if it was their primary residence before going into a care facility, it should still be considered their primary residence for the purposes of the parent-child transfer. Now, there's obviously outliers to that and caveats, I'm sure. Well, and I, th- I think um, based on uh, discussions I've had, it may depend on the particular county assessor. Uh, their interpretation of these kinds of circumstances. So uh, that may be something that is less uniform throughout the state. Well, folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law only here at K News FM 98.5. We're talking with Ben Heilig of HCS Equity, a private lender in Carmel Valley, California, about the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association ballot initiative and how it's going to repeal parts of Proposition 19 from 2020. Uh, We actually have a hard break coming up, folks. Uh, But let me remind you that if you'd like to hear from an officeholder, lawyer, or activists here at KNews FM 98.5, you can email me at stu. Dot Jenkins, that's S-T-E-W dot Jenkins at dimescentralcoast.com. You can hear a podcast of this program later if you want to review the rules on inheritance at knews985.com. Well, Ben, we're, we're going to continue this conversation right after our news break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the end the Death Tax on Family Property Initiative. That will be on your November 5th, 2024 state ballot. Stay tuned, folks. The news is coming right up. Shut up. 